Hello there, my name's Catherine Siggers and today we're going off script with Izzy Raby. Corey being one of them, um, more than once. Coming Sorry, who, who's Corey? I've <laughs> <laughs> never heard of her in my I'm life. Izzy is a theatre maker, director, theatre company founder, workshop facilitator and musician. There isn't much this woman hasn't done. Izzy has recently been appointed trainee director at the Royal Court Theatre in London. I can't wait for you all to listen to this episode. Izzy is a passionate, determined, generous and infectious creative who has some fascinating insights and an exciting future. It was really good. Yeah. We were doing auditions today. I've been in auditions. I've had a full like theatre day because I'm seeing yeah. obviously you in the evening and like I was in auditions today for like make sure I'm directing. I'm, I'm directing a piece called Microwave by Eleanor okay. Cook. It's kind of like the premiere of like the first full production of it, which is really exciting. And we're doing it at my theatre company, Runamok, are doing it in collab with the Riverfront in Newport. Um, and yeah, we kind of go into rehearsals sort of early March and then we're on tour kind of from late March to yeah. It's really That's exciting. exciting. And is this your first tour? Is this, um, or have you oh, done... Oh, technically. First tour with, like, <laughs> a budget that okay. has not been self-funded. Oh, no, actually, no, that's, again, that's another lie. It's our first, like, large grant tour. Yeah. So I'm very grateful to the Arts Council yeah. for that. And the company's been going since 2013. That gives you, like, a context. Yeah, that does give us a context. How, how it Sometimes, takes something yeah. to grow, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so we started um, Run Amok in 2013. I was kind of, i just finished uni, I'd come back to Aberystwyth, um, where I'm from, um, and I was just like, I really wanted to make theatre, predominantly by playwrights that I really loved. So Mm. Philip Ridley, Sarah Kane, Debbie Tucker Green, and then I met Jonathan Patton and we were both just people that wanted to make that kind of theatre together and we were like, right, let's start a company and let's put on a production of Phaedra's Love by Sarah Kane, which we yes. did in the Castle Theatre in Aberystwyth. And then oh, we were wow. like, well, we enjoyed that so much. Why don't we just do another one and do another one and do another one? And then like our first year, we did three productions, which was crazy. And then, That's you know- big. That's it was, it was mad. I mean, at the time, what was I doing? I was literally, I was teaching at like a Saturday drama school and then working yeah. in a Welsh gift shop. So I'm, I mean, I, your classic your job, classic your classic job. creative jobs. Yeah, classic just finished uni jobs. And yeah. I was just like, so passionate about it. And then, you know, Run Amok has just become like my baby, really. Yeah. And I've just carried on making work. And our last big production was um, the regional premiere of Hang by Debbie Tucker Green, which we crowdfunded six grand for. Wow. Which was like crazy. And I did it six grand in six yeah. weeks. I literally, I wrote to every famous Welsh person that right. is literally their addresses in Hollywood hilarious got nothing back um I because <laughs> they were probably like why are Sorry, we what? who the hell are you what are you asking us? for but imagine but you have to take those you risks have to though, it, you have to you? take those risks um for me it was all about social media so it was yeah. all about kind of getting in touch with people online having a massive social media push Twitter Facebook also, what was really amazing, and like big shout out and love to other Cardiff theatre companies who really would also share our crowdfunding campaign on their pages. Oh, great. That was amazing. Yeah. In terms of like, it's the most kind of 
solidarity and love I've felt from the Cardiff Theatre community and that mm. is not I don't mean that in a shady way in terms of like they really pulled together to support yeah. my project and it was really beautiful that because I was like I don't know if I'm going to do this like I, I don't know if I'm going to make yeah. that that money and what was amazing was that you know and obviously the other room where we did it bless them they gave us an advance on the box office mm. which we then tripled with sales oh, which was wow. really cool because um, it ended up being a really you know successful run and pe- it was kind of the yeah people yeah. responded to it really well so that was really exciting at that point so that was 2017 I've been, been running the company for four years and I was just like do you know what like next big show we do I'm like I'm getting a producer yeah. in and I'm sure. having I'm not doing a show if it's not fully funded and yeah. it's like a, a chunky thing do you know what I mean yeah. Um, so yeah and here we are so thank we god are. we got funding and we've like, got a producer right we've got our yeah. amazing shout out big love to Carrie Ann Williams who is like the most I believe the most shit hot producer in working in South Wales like she's amazing um, and she yeah so have her on board which is amazing I've got Nerida Bradley as my assistant director who's also joined me as um, co-artistic director of Run Amok what's lovely is that Nerida is a really ambitious director and writer in her own right and you know I wanted someone also that's slightly younger than me like Nerida so I'm at the end of my 20s and Nerida is at the beginning and like that was a really like conscious decision for me you know diversity in terms of age is really I think really exciting when you look at companies you know absolutely and I think you're also giving someone who's maybe more of an emerging artist Mm. that opportunity as 100%. well. So you grew up in Aberystwyth. Well, right? yeah. I mean, I that area. I, I mean, my actual hometown is Machynlleth, which is when you often say that to people, they think you've like sneezed or something. <laughs> so they're like, you're like, yeah. but I, when I, I'll, and often even Welsh people will be like, where's Machynlleth? And I'm like, yes. So I often yeah. say like, um, it's yeah. So it's kind of half an hour north of Aberystwyth. Okay. Um, and it's yeah. So I grew up in Mach, but like you know, went to high school in Aberystwyth, mm. and like my parents worked in Aberystwyth and everything. Okay, so. Sure. Yeah, so I, I say Abbott because it's sometimes yeah. easier. Oh, know? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Were there many creative opportunities when you were growing up? Yeah, there was an amazing youth theatre. So yeah. Aberystwyth Arts Centre had incredible youth theatre. And that for me was like the real, like really ignited my love for yeah. theatre. It was a real kind of creative hub in terms of like young people that coming from there but have gone on to kind of do a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah, so so that that's sort of where that started. But did you, are your parents creative? Are they artsy? Yes, they are. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm from like a very theatre family and you know it was so funny because for like especially my teens and when I was thinking about what we would do for uni I was like no not gonna do drama not gonna break away from that no you know um, but I literally so my both my parents are academics in theatre ran a theatre company in the in the 80s and 90s Mm. and continuously put on work whilst me and my brother were really small as well so uh, and then my grandfather was a jazz musician who ran a jazz dance band for 25 years so cool so i grew up in this house of people constantly around people like sleeping in the living room parties um creatives constantly in the house creative stuff happening Mm. all the time you know like my parents were incredibly productive creatively even when me and my brother were really small um you know and then with my grandfather like it meant that I was going to see like a lot of jazz gigs from a really young age and so music was a huge part of my upbringing we're constantly going to see gigs I don't feel I can do anything else apart from music I always say that I'm always like I literally am not number one qualified to do anything else but (laughs) I literally cannot do anything else my 
brain just doesn't work. No, no, no. In, in that way. And it's like, even in terms, because obviously I work as a musician, it's mm. like, I, I will always write music. Like, I can't stop writing music. I always have really? songs in my head. You know, That's I always cool. write creatively. Yeah. It's just like how I'm wired, really. Yeah. I just want to make stuff. And so that's for your band, what you got? What and you the murmurings, the murmuring. we are. Me and my best mate um, basically getting together and sort of writing music that kind of encompasses every single genre we love. But in terms of creative projects, it's been like the best, my favorite one I've done because it's like, it's always that hanging out with your best mate is always yeah. a laugh and we have such a joy. And we could have like an audience of two and we still have a we lot of fun together. It. Working with people like you genuinely love. Yeah like really love it, with it all your heart it, is so important. It makes it so much more rewarding, especially if you're not earning that much money from it or not at all. Absolutely. Do you know I, what I mean? So uh, obviously you grew up in Aberystwyth. Well, or I can't say, it's can okay. you say it for me? Machenlleth. That one, that's <laughs> that the one. one. It's fine. <laughs> but then but then you went on to study in Exeter. Am yeah. I, am I right? Yes, I am. So, so what did you do? What did you study there? So I did drama in Exeter. Um, it's, I know you've had like, Matthew Honquist was on the podcast, yes. like, and there's a lot of directors. Were you, were you in his year group? No, or? I was like I'm three years old, and then him, I think, oh, okay. three years on from him. But then, yeah. So, and then Dan Jones was also extra. Jack Moore. Yeah. Um, what was amazing about when we four went to uni there was that it was an incredibly heavily practical course. It was amazing. And the directing, like, they also had fantastic extracurricular stuff going on there. So they had three different, like, uni societies for theatre that had funding. So I directed Blasted in my second year as part for one of these in an actual functioning theatre. Amazing. with a budget you know and I was like what 20 you 19 it's amazing just don't get those opportunities very often do you, you don't you don't and then in terms of music it was also amazing so like I gigged constantly I was in two different bands I was part of a soul choir and I remember literally leave I remember the last week I had there it's such a clear thought I said to myself I was like I just want my life outside to be like my life here and I was like Jesus was listening like, and here we are, you know, like trying yeah. to like spin three plates of like applied theater directing and music. But like, it was weird. I do feel it was weird. Cause like that is what's ended up happening. Like my yeah. life in, in uni is very much like my life now Yeah. in terms of that kind of work hard, play hard and just doing music applied and mm. directing. That's so great because yeah. then it, it obviously gave you the tools to be able to do all three, yeah. balancing, juggling life as well, mm. which is, you just know. Just about, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly the way I think most of us feel. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, it's either, you know, too much of one or too much of the other. It's never, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think there is a balance, if I'm honest with you. No, absolutely not. And it's like, and I think it's something we're constantly negotiating. I mean, I've been working like every night this week and all day. So yeah. I know it's like, it's Wednesday and I'm just like, okay, I'm, 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 uh, I'm effed again. Like, I'm I am done. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But you're like, it's okay. You know, I'm like, I feel, you know, I, I signed up for this life. I love yeah. this life. And I'm, I'm constantly so grateful that yeah. the way I earn money, the way I've survived financially is by doing creative work. Mm. And like, I don't, I never take that for granted. Like every day I'm grateful that yeah. I get to do what I love. And like today, you know, like my day at work has been auditioning amazing actresses in, in Wales. And then, you know, my evening is spent chatting with yeah. you about my practice. And I'm like, so lucky. Like, that yeah. is awesome. You know, that's and my working day. I think there's kind of comfort in the discomfort. It's like, 
I think as a creative person, you're never fully satisfied anyway. Like yeah, you always, true. that's you're, so true. You're always looking for like, oh, uh, I want to be there. I want to be there. I mm. want to be there. And like my ambition is like, you know, to the stars. Like, like I really, you know, I never, I don't think I'll ever be fully satisfied in terms yeah. of where I want to go, where I want to push but myself. That's not and a bad to, thing. And it's though. not a bad thing at all, you know. And it's like, and also because I, I've had to be so self reliant in my career. I can't mm. be complacent. Yeah. You know, and it's really funny, like, I've just got this job, which means that I have a year's work, which is great. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. But I'm also like, that's just a year. Yeah. And yeah, it's great for my CV, but also, long run, it might not mean shit. You know, as in, yeah. I still will have to fight to get work, to get yes. consistent income. Absolutely. You know, it's not going to be easy, and it's fine, yeah. but we have to be open about that. Oh, it doesn't mean, yeah. like, you get this one job and it solves your problems. Hell no. No <laughs> way. You still have to work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you've worked to... To what you've got to now, so mm. you're you're just about to start working with the Royal Court, aren't yes. you? Which yes, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, God, how many years is it taking you to get there? And no. I don't mean that in an offensive no, way. No, not at all. It's just it shows you that like tenacity and hard work do get you to where you want to go. But then it's lovely, really refreshing to hear that you're not going to stop working once you get Absolutely there. Absolutely no. And you've got to like you've got to stay humble about the work you get. Yeah. I think as well. And it's like you know, yes, it's incredible. I am obviously I'm so grateful. You know, the Royal Court is the reason my theatre director to be working in that theatre for me is just like I mean it's beyond mm. a dream come true. Like yeah. it really is. And like I'm so excited about it. But also, yeah, like I have to also be continuously be yeah. resourceful in terms of like well what comes next and utilize the opportunity so I get there. But also not com- entirely piggyback on it as well yeah you know it's like this is amazing of course it's going to open loads of doors but you know and as you said like I've been you know screwing away since I was like 21 Mm. creating my own work and you know and taken so much rejection and had to constantly like create my own sort of projects so Mm. yeah I'm not yeah. I'm under no illusions of how yes. like, you know, the the life I've set for myself, but I'm also immensely grateful and I love yeah. it, you know. Which is amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so you do a lot of work within the community, don't you? Mm-hmm. So so tell me how you got into that, because that's not one everyone goes into, do you know what no. I mean? It's quite um it's quite unusual. So so tell me more about that. Yeah, it's really interesting. So it, in terms of kind of like your sort of career trajectory as a director kind of like lots of different ways of doing it but how a lot of people do it is they assist and assist and assist and assist and then they do big projects mm-hmm. and often like if you've assisted in kind of big venues that can really give you a lot of like cre- credibility in yeah. terms of then directing your own stuff um i have not taken that path at all like i've gone Yay! the complete opposite <laughs> of doing that i don't expect anything no i know <laughs> so i've gone back i've literally done two assistant directing jobs one was when i first moved to cardiff and i assistant uh, assistant directed for kate wasserberg and titus holder on their double bill of play silence and then re- most recently with Vicky Featherstone mm. with On Bear Ridge, um, which is a co-pro between National Theatre Wales and the Royal Court. And that's it. Like everything mm. else I've directed, it's been my own project with my own theatre company or, you know, as a guest director. But I'm like, I've not even directed that much for other people. Like yeah. if we're not, like taking out like, you know, script like nights or something like that, you know, mo- everything I've directed has been through Run Amok. Yeah. Pretty much. That's like, Run Amok is my CV. <laughs> Pretty much. It is so but funny. But that's amazing because you're like, right, no one's giving me a job, so I'm going to create my yeah, own. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, that ownership of it is yeah. just amazing. Um, right. but, but, you know, and then, so in terms of where, like, my community engaged work fits mm. in, so 
when I was at uni, I really fell in love with applied theatre. So applied theatre was kind of working with um, specific communities in a non-hierarchical way, looking constantly at ethics and codes of conduct and modes of working that give a specific group of people ownership over the creative stuff that they make. And it can be performance, it can be music, it can be poetry. Um, and I sort of found it a really exciting way of working with people. And I'm really fascinated by people. I think directors always are. Like, we mm. love, like, looking at people and observing people. And I have a real passion for... I, I love kind of seeing how you can get people that struggle to kind of communicate in a conventional way to open up and be... and engage in a creative way with something. So... Um, I now sort of have, have like through the kind of the work I've done I'm now I would say my specialism is kind of with young people with extremely complex needs backgrounds um, on the autistic spectrum and with complex mental health so I've worked wow yeah so I've worked for the last three years with an organization called Valley and Vale Community Arts um, initially on a project which was a Paul Hamlin funded project looking at um, drama as sort of an access point for young people with autism and complex mental health in an alternative provision in the valleys. Mm. And I worked there for like two and a half years and it was an amazing way of me really refining practice. They also, um, the alternative provision I was working at also um, have partnered with an adolescent psychiatric unit. So I worked in as a drama practitioner in there as well. And again, was an excellent opportunity for me to really like refine my practice. Yeah. And, you know, they're all... And, you know, yeah, some incredibly complex young people. But I was able to really sort of be creatively free in mm. how I kind of explored different ways of engaging with them. And I found ways of finding crossover in terms of my theatre world and my music world. So I had, right. like, I had Molly come in and do workshops with them. I've had other musician friends of mine, like Toomey Williams, who's an MC from the band Afro Cluster, came in and worked with a lot of my young people. I had actors that I love come in with Tori being one of them so having like actors I really admire come in and sort of work on pieces that the young people had written themselves as well because again like we when we think about drama and doing drama with young people we kind of think well it, if you get them to perform then you've succeeded and for me mm. I really believe in like well no it's about sort of you know drama is the kind of the, the thing, the nucleus of what we're kind of using to kind of connect. But actually what I found it is also great is getting young people to write. Yeah. And then they love directing Do professional they? actors to create their own work, to, to you know, so to state our own work. And that has been a really exciting thing that I've explored and worked mm. with. Either acting alongside professional actors or directing actors and stuff they themselves yeah. have written. Because it it's about, also, it's about security as well yeah. and, like, ownership over the work, which for me yeah. kind of is what applied theatre is all about. But I also work a lot with the diaspora community in Cardiff who approached me again because they were just like, we want to make theatre work. And we feel our young people are constantly being ignored by extracurricular kind of projects that are happening and also by the school in terms of the kind of theatre they're being introduced to. So I work specifically with the Somali community and they have a really rich history of theatre, their own theatre practice, poetry practice, so Rewired's, which are like comedic morality plays, and then Gabay, which is an ancient kind of Somali poetry form. And they were like, well, we want our younger generation to really engage with this. So at the moment, I've, well, I've been working with them for two years and we're now doing a project with girls aged between um, 10 and 13 for them to create their own rewired, but about current issues. Yeah. 
um, that they themselves are experiencing, but they're writing it, they're directing it, they're doing everything yeah. basically. And How I'm just wonderful. facilitating that. Yeah. Like when we think about the arts and kind of and our own careers, we have to take ownership mm. over it and make of it what it what we want it to be. Mm. You know, like when I finished um, uni, like my mum said something to me, which is still my like. I'd say my mantra in terms of like, and I say this often when I give talks or run workshops about being like a freelance creative. It's like, rarely the work that you want will come to you, create the work you want to do. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And that has been, I mean, that has literally been my career. You know, I was like, no one's gonna like give me 10 grand to put on a Sarah Kane play. I'm just going to put it on, you know. Um, no, no one's going to give me a grant to kind of go and work with this community. So I'm, you know, let's just make it happen together, you know. Yeah. And I've been very, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to kind of just do do that and create. Do you think maybe that was the encouragement you got from your parents? Or? Well, in terms of, and this is interesting, you know, because obviously a lot of people do know I come from a theatrical family and my parents have been incredibly supportive obviously they get it but in terms of my own career I've been very much left to my own devices mm. because other than kind of be like well done darling they can't really yeah. support me in, sure, in many ways sure. in terms of like guidance on funding applications and stuff like no like mm. I had to teach myself you know when my first funding application for Arts Council Wales I wrote in a bilingual gift shop that I was working in. I was literally like, I, was, I, I would just turn and like type out like the yeah. thing and then serve customers. But that's the reality of it though, that isn't is the it? Reality. That is the reality. And that's why I'm really passionate about talking to kind of younger artists about their work and supporting them because when I was starting off, I was pretty much by myself in terms mm. of like how to run a company and what to do. Like I literally, we learned as we went. So like, for example, our first project we toured, so we took... 448 Psychosis to Chapter Art Centre. We were so lucky. We got in touch with the school and so we managed to sell out both nights. So I was like, oh my gosh, first tour, touring to Cardiff. We've sold out both nights. Happy days. Hilariously, right? So they asked us, they were like, do you want rigged seating for the studio? And we were like, no, 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 it's fine. We don't want to trouble you. Don't want to trouble you. And I remember audience members come, like, I was directing Ed Thomas's show next. I told him that, I was, you know, we'd had discussions about me doing flowers. And he was literally like, man, when he was on this floor, I couldn't fucking see anything. Like, why are you, like, why didn't you get fucking <laughs> seating in there? And I was like, yeah, learn to ask for yeah. things that you need. And don't feel like, oh, God, I'm not worthy being here. So I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm not going to trouble anyone. So it's like, you kind of, you go along and you make massive mistakes and you learn. And, like, I still make massive mistakes. And... But, you know, they're my mistakes, I guess. And in yeah. terms of, like, being a creative that's so... That is, has to have complete, like, control over their own career, you can't not. But I actually am glad I've made them because it means that as a director, I'm incredibly economical. And in terms of looking after money with a project, because I've had to make theatre on such a shoestring, yeah. I'm like, no, we stay well within those boundaries. Yeah, like, we can't absolutely. afford to go over. We yeah. don't have anything that we can kind of just, like pull out of the ether that we can check yeah. at a production it's like no if we have like 100 pounds to spend on costume we have 100 pounds to spend on costume yeah and we try and go under that when you're first starting out just like try and stay within your means yeah and do the best you can and especially with um especially when you're working theater like make it about the theater you know you can make extraordinary theater on just like three chairs yeah you know 
don't feel you need all the bells and whistles to kind of validate your work. I think you can validate your work beyond that. And we did Hang, right, which is my most commercially successful project. We literally had a water cooler that we were lit, was side lit, um, three chairs that we'd borrowed from an office and a wheelie table from Ikea. It was it. Was that it? That was it, yeah. And then we got all our clothes from Primark. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, it was tiny. The most expensive thing that cost off was, was the water cooler. And we came under budget for our, That's for amazing. in terms of props, we, yeah. you know. But I was like, it was all about making the, the working with the actors to make mm. a really engaging piece. So, yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's that's the point of it. Mm. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, like you said, like yeah, you can you can chuck all the stuff you want at it, but if at the core of it, it's not a good piece, it's not never going to be a good piece. <laughs> no, Even exactly. if you've got these amazing costumes, amazing set, totally. whatever. Yeah. yeah, and that's when it becomes about like the kind of actors you pick. And like Kate Vassarberg said something really amazing to me when I was starting out. She was like, always work with actors that terrify you slightly about how brilliant they are. And that has been a real like thing for me to think about in terms of casting and being and have yeah so when I look at casting when I look at actors yes of course it's about whether they suit things but I want them to do things that give me like butterflies yeah you know and really excite me yeah. and yeah we're lucky in Wales we have a lot of actors that can do that so do you think uh that theatre should be more accessible or hmm. I think it's really interesting coming as a daughter of theatre academics I'm very aware of like how um, academic-sized theatre is and has become and how, what an exclusive space Mm. it is. And I always say this, you know, like, I, you know, I come from a world that is, for me, the final frontier in terms of accessibility. In terms of music, people can create music in their own rooms. They can have their own sound system. They have garage band. They can create that. In terms of film you can create that. YouTube, you know, is a classic example of that. Theatre, on the other hand, it doesn't work in the same way, unfortunately. And I don't think that, I don't think that has to be the case. I think anyone can make theatre anywhere. But there's something about how it's been made so exclusive that makes people feel that it isn't for them or it can be for them, Mm. you know. And I work with people predominantly in terms of my applied theatre work who don't, set foot in theatres who yeah. and especially in terms of like the work I'm doing with Hayat which is the Somali diaspora group I work with they were like well we don't feel welcome in theatres so we're just going to create our own and we want to con- make our own new work yeah. you know we just want to do it actually and for me I'm like that's 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 really exciting that's mm-hmm. actually how we should be looking at stuff you know yeah. and I kind of I see sort of because when we look at community engagement and what theatres try to do in terms of community engagement when we talk about community engagement we often talk about people what we mean is people that are poorer and browner than us <laughs> and oh, I know that's that just horrible I know and, it, and, but, that, and that, by saying that I know people like will say I'm being radical and saying I'm like no it is the damn truth yeah. like and and I think that when we look at community engagement work we need to see it as almost like a cyclical thing where yes we go into those you know a theatre goes into that community and generates material with that mm. community, but then those voices need to be elevated by their work being put on that stage. Yeah. It has to be a fair exchange. Mm. It can't just be a theatre depositing itself in a community and then taking to then put on. It's like that community needs to come back in yeah. and their voices need to be elevated and, you know, 
and sh- shown like their re- the resonance of those voices need to be shown in our theatres, mm. you know. And I still think we have such a long way to go. What is your best piece of advice for anyone like starting out in the industry, or or just anyone in the industry? What what would be um, your best piece of advice? I think remaining really true to the kind of work you want to make. Be like, what is it exactly you want to do? Mm. What kind of, even if you're an actor and you're waiting for a role to come, what is that role you really want for yourself? And if it's not out there, make it for yourself. Create that role, create that one person play for yourself. You know, we have to go with our true desires, I Mm. think. In terms of if we want to make work with integrity, we have to be like, this is what I really, really want. And also for me, I think it's about, and it's really easy with social media, but like meet with creatives you really want to work with. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, and even if it doesn't come to anything, like I, when I started out, when I started out, like <laughs> like seven years ago, like I, you know, obviously I didn't have anyone, I was in Aberystwyth, so I didn't have anyone the same age as me, other than like the people I was making the theatre with, that I could like talk to about making theatre. It was like, I'm just going to make the thing. And I think about now and like being in a city like Cardiff where we've got stuff like the other room which kind of nurtures young writing, we've got stuff happening, the Sherman for writers, we've got, you know, scratch nights and all of that. That was just, I never encountered that until I moved to Cardiff at 25. So it's, I think just meeting with as many people in your community as possible and finding that solidarity is really important and valid. Well, that was fabulous. Thank you ever so much for going off script with us. Um, Do you have uh, anything you want to plug? Where can we find you on social media? Okay, so um, obviously I am directing Microwave by Eleanor Cook. That's going to be at the Riverfront in March 2020. So please, like, come along, come and see it. It's going to be such an exciting piece. We have brand new, like, Neo Soul from South Wales coming in there. We have got, like, an amazing, really exciting set where we're going to have, like, actors climbing around, like, a scaffolding sort of playground. We're going to have new writing by young people from the area. And it's, like, a massive project. I'm so excited about it. So, yeah, please come along and see that. It's going to be a really exciting piece of theatre. And then, um, yeah, so I'm... my. Theatre Company has an Instagram. We are like Theatre Runamock. So Theatre the Welsh way without an, okay. without an E at the end. Great. Theatre Runamock. And we've got like, you know, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I have my own professional Instagram, which is at israbes. So I-Z-R-A-B-E-S. Um, but also if you want to find my band, The Murmurings, we are um, The Murmurings, M-E-R-M-E-R-I-N-G-S. Like, um, and we are on Instagram and Facebook. I think that's everything. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's so funny. Hello, Tori here. I apologise for taking over the podcast, but I have some very exciting news that I wanted to share with you. I'm in a play, and it's going to be on tour. It's going to be performed in the Newport Riverfront Theatre from the 17th of March to the 20th of March before going on tour. So make sure you get your tickets. The play is called Microwave by Eleanor Cook. And it is a play that explores the anxiety and awkward hilarity of academic and sexual pressures on teenage women as they try to carve out their own identity. I'm performing with Runamuck Theatre Company and I will be playing the character of Becky and you really don't want to miss out guys. So 
go on to the Riverfront Theatre's website or give them a call on 01286 685 222 and I will see you there. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did interviewing Izzy. She really is a great girl and a force to be reckoned with. I honestly cannot wait to see what she does in the future. As always, you can find Offscript With on Instagram and Twitter, simply at Offscript With. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a follow, give us a rate, give us a review, give us all the things. We will be very, very grateful and it means we can keep giving you the podcast that you love. Cheers, darling. On your heads.